Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Safe House. This is the third episode, and in the Safe House studio today, I will be leaving the lead up to my gorgeous, stunning, beautiful, clever, funny, fabulous, alter ego, Little Miss Poppy. This will be your first introduction to Poppy in the world that you all live in and revolves around her. I hope you enjoy her as much as I enjoy being her. Today, I will be talking to a very near and dear friend of mine and my drag mother, Miss Rain. So as always, we get into some quite deep and quite important topics that demand a lot of respect. But obviously, if you enjoy the podcast, please send us loads of lovely messages. I want suggestions, positives, negatives, everything. But remember, this is a safe place for everyone. So without further ado, please welcome to Safe House, the drag edition. Are you ready? Welcome to Safe House. Thank you very much for having me, Pop. Legendary. Please keep your hands and feet inside the qualm at all times. <laughs> Do not hold on to each other's hands. I'm a monster, literally. <laughs> bye bye. Rain out. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. Are you ready? Yes. Stunning. Welcome to Safe House. Thank you very much for having me, Pops. How are we? I'm good. I'm good. I'm here in West London. Um, just... <gasps> We're giving out locations. Oh, oh, my God. There's going to be people outside the house. I don't think I've told my viewers where I am. I don't... My viewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in West London. Just chilling in lockdown, you know. It's good to see you. It's so nice to see you too. Literally, like, I oh, wish wow. you were in person. It's been like, what... When did we last see each other in person? Oh, stupid ages ago. It can't have been, it can't have been heartstrings. I'm going to get into that a little bit later on. No worries. I will say, safe house is exactly what it is, what it sounds like. It's a safe space for you to feel comfortable, for you to get into the nitty gritty, for it to be somewhere that's, well, safe. And with someone that you can confide in without any judgment. And that's where we are right now. Gorgeous. <laughs> with me in the studio today, I have Miss... Rain, performance artist. Hello. I have been dying to get you on here, but both our schedules are ridiculously stupid. It's been a bloody nightmare. It has. It's been mental. But here we are. We're both here. We managed to... Thank you so much for having me. Literally, I'm really excited. Um, I think this is such a great venture. I think it's a brilliant idea. And I think, like I said to you before, even in pre-production, like the name Safe House, it's just such a clever idea. So I'm just really excited to jump on it with you. I think it just speaks to the way our drag house is and the way we are like i haven't mentioned we're in the same drag house the only <laughs> the only members the only surviving members <laughs> makes it sound like we've killed off the rest of the members of the house there's only ever been two. Oh my god well <laughs> yeah literally i'm just like i just like the fact that we're like two sisters we're like the ronnie and roxy mm. of well, what was leicester and now we're like opposite ends of the country but i'm loving it nonetheless no we were so we both started in leicester and obviously that's where we met when i was at uni now neither of us we but we both moved we've both mm -hmm. moved out of leicester what is leicester without without rain and poppy what is leicester without poppy and rain like 
I imagine it's a lot quieter. <laughs> I mean, the riot that we caused. It's been almost a year now since we've, like, probably kiki together. Seriously. Since we did our show. So I'm so happy to see you in your little face, even if it is through my through my screen. <laughs> I'm so excited to see your face, too. Obviously, it's, we're not recording video, yeah. but I've got my, I've got my little um, Miss Rain on FaceTime in front of me. So, right, so I've gone off on a tangent already. <laughs> I knew this would happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I expected this. I feel like I, I said in the first podcast that I, I planned for it. I hang, I've definitely planned for more, more tangents on this. That's going to happen so much with Oscar. <laughs> this show more than any. So let's throw it back to how we actually met. I've been starting with each of my safe house guests by getting into our background stories a little bit. And mm-hmm. I do feel like it was fate that brought us together. 100%. If I'm completely 100%. Honest. My very first memory of you was in a dimly lit gay bar in Leicester, which we won't name because we're not shouting out anyone. Literally. And that's where I first laid my eyes on the skyscraper of drag that is Miss Rain Performance Artist. <laughs> I'm more like a mon- just a huge Loch Ness monster. <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> legendary I'm so, yeah legendary for being a fucking mythical monster that's exactly what like it was to me it was this me as a young queer person coming into into my own almost like very much starting off didn't do drag didn't really have much experience with the gay scene and my first few months out of the house away from my parents and this ethereal being strutting around in like these huge heels and these wigs <laughs> and I was like bitch and the first thing I asked you can you remember what it was? I remember, see, I remember being in the smoking area, having a drink and chatting to someone, and I just saw someone that was like seemingly like harassing you, trying to. Um, so uh, that 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 like... happened that night. You might not remember this actually, because we we did a little documentary where I talked about um ha- like my first experience with you, but pre pre actually conversing yeah. with you i remember seeing you on the dance floor like and having a moment with you and then later on i switched you outside but what, what... period yes yeah, yes, pre- yes yes so on the dance floor i remember asking you what your shoe size was <laughs> because i was like where can i get a pair of heels <laughs> I'm a monster, literally. Monster! (laughs) Automobile gangster. And then what you were talking about is we went on to, a little bit later on in the night, there was this guy who was like being an arsehole and he was bouncing around the place. Uh, Don't get me wrong, we both bounced Mm -hmm. around the show. But he was just harassing everyone and Miss Rain leans over and says, don't worry, honey, natural selection will get him. And I was like... <laughs> I was such a... I was such a... I can't. <laughs> such an evil guy that night. <laughs> I was like, period. Like, come on. I'm not, I wasn't going to let you go then. That was it. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty fabulous. It was. It was. And it continues on. And it literally... What a beautiful moment. It's the moment that started it all off. And, like, not even just... Not even just, like, a... Uh, I find that a lot of drag friendships like, oh, she's my sister she's my mom she's my dad like completely outside of drag like we just fell into like a beautiful oh yeah what's it like a, almost like a, a kindred spirit like a soulmate vibe in like if you've ever seen Tangled then the relationship between Mother Gothel and Rapunzel she keeps me locked up in a tower <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
transition to talk about Tangled. No one touches her. No one goes near her. Yeah, it's very bad. I'm Mother Gothel. No, I'm joking. There's literally a designer did a portrait of the two JJ, of yeah. He's actually going to be on the show at some point. I'm, fingers crossed. I have it on my wall and so do you in our rooms. JJ. And um, Oh my God. And that portrait that he did of the two of us really reminds me of Mother Gothel and um, Rapunzel. And it always makes me think of that moment in the film where she's like... Um, You'll never... Oh, sorry, go on, go on. I know exactly what the quote is. You, you, know, you know what I see when I look into the mirror? I see a beautiful, strong, powerful young woman. Oh, and you're here too. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. With with us two, we have these, like, so many references. And we've not spoken about them, but they're all, like, the same. Literally, same planet. From the same place. So, like, oh, um, my God. Hercules as well. Hercules is a big one. Rapunzel, you'll never set... Oh, 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 now I was going cat in the hat. <laughs> You'll never put set foot in Livering or else. Please keep your hands and feet inside the qualm at all times. <laughs> <laughs> the qualm. I love. What an icon. Oh my god, what are we doing? We're doing it again. I love that film. We need to have a few drinks and watch that film when when lockdown's all over and Miss Rona leaves the chat. Oh my god. Don't let go of the dog. Let go. <laughs> <laughs> let go of the dog, sweetie. Let go. Oh my god. Beware of the dog. Oh. I haven't actually introduced you properly or explained the creative side that you bring to the show. Why don't you let everyone know what you've got to give? Oh, what I've got to give. Um, so my name is Rain and I am a drag performer from West London. Um, I started drag about two and a half years ago in Leicester and I've had a bit of a tumultuous time since then. So I've been sort of on and off with Rain. But I kicked it fully into fifth, sixth gear a while back. And then of course, Miss Rona hit and it was a brilliant time for me to just like put myself on pause for a moment, gather myself, work on the sort of production of Rain behind the scenes so that within when life unfurls again and restarts, mm-hmm. I can really hit it hard. And in the meantime, I've been focusing mad on my career. Yeah. Like drag isn't my full time. We'll get into that a little bit more, like, later on. So, you mentioned that you fully, like, kicked yourself into gear with Rain. What was, like, the defining moment for you? Because, obviously, for me, it was actually one of the moments that we had together. I started drag because of you. Massive, massive inspiration to me because, obviously, I came from not having such a huge queer background and coming from, like, a smaller town in the north. And you were probably one of my, Mm. like, first real-life experiences of drag. I'd always been scared of drag queens, which seems a bit (laughs) ironic now. No, I know what you mean. I was the same when I was when I was yeah. younger. When I first started going out to clubs, I was I was, just was so awestruck by them that I almost sort of destabilised me in that yeah. moment. And then I just yeah started getting into it one day, and then I was like, "This is actually amazing." Yeah, exactly. It is amazing. The, the, the moment that um, I'm referencing is is when I came down to see you in London when you've moved away from Leicester and we went out in London. Mm. Like that defining moment for me where I felt the best that not just I've ever felt in drag, but also the best that I've ever felt in myself and I've, I've recently like come out as non-binary so having that realization of I feel the most amazing I've ever felt and the most me I've ever felt with all of this added extra of this wig and this stress and this uh, like feeling my mm. feminine energy but also owning my masculinity at the same time was the it was the defining moment for not just me in drag but also me in my like personal life what was the moment for you that yeah kick-started this journey of rain um well i've always been a really flamboyant mm. very theatrical person and i went to university uh, to Montfort in leicester to study drama studies and around my second year we were given opportunities to start creating like yeah. solo device performances and 
I was already completely obsessed with queer art, queer performance, queer culture, queer history, and queer fashion, and all the above and in between. And I knew that it was all going to culminate into a drag presentation of some sort and I didn't know the sort of the parameters that that would take shape in or take form in and so I started off in I'd say 2016 Mm. creating these crazy wacko performance art pieces which were commenting on gender and sexuality theory as well as political concepts and as well as making a lot of autobiographical performance pieces and then I knew though that that was all a means to an end because I was making these shows and and doing very well with them at uni and then I uh, knew that I was going to be graduating and I was like well I can either now choose to continue this or I can make it somewhat more commercial and I can take it into well why does that have to end well only specifically because like obviously you've got you've got your educational side to it where I mean uni that they like you to explore Mm. politics and socio-political aspects of your studies but like really no absolutely is that not what drag is like that's that's not something that you have to do at uni that's something you can continue it was just it was just the fact that i knew that it was an assignment that would have an end date that would get a grade and then i'd move on to the next show and it was just that format that i got comfortable with over my second and third year and then i went on to do an ma and it was around the time that i started my ma that i took rain out of the sort of educational context and almost took her stabilizers off and started taking my now what i was terming quite confidently as like drag rather than like performance art into um like professional yeah. contexts like in clubs and venues and then i've just sort of snowballed from then and now i've um yeah just working out but i think the defining moment where i really felt like i kicked right into uh-huh. um really who she is was around august 2018 because it's like a while ago now yeah which which now feels like ages ago because it was the first time i woke up one day and i was getting so bored with this sort of stagnance of painting what i would just call like a pretty face on me it just wasn't satisfying me at all so i just woke right. up one day and just threw some crazy like alien-esque cosmic like makeup on my face and the reaction that I got was really, really brilliant. So I've sort of been focusing on making Rain a bit more abstract and less uh, transition from male representing to female representing into this more uh, cosmic sort of ethereal creature. I love yeah. that, I love that. You, you, um, you mentioned that it felt to you that experience like taking stabilizers off and you, usually you get your stabilizers off on your bike. It's more like, are you ready for that step? Mm. But I feel like with Rain, with yourself, it's more like, is the world ready for me? So, like, are you ready for the road? Are you ready to have your stabilizers off? But is the road ready for you to have your drag stabilizers off? And I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think that was the case. That's um, period. <laughs> is that, am I right in saying that? Yeah, um, I think that's a really good, like, sort of aphorism to, to use in that I felt not ready for a very, very long time. And I sort of mm. bided my time privately and would work on my, like, self-confidence and sort of feign it on stage for a long time and then well, fake um, it till you make it is is something that a lot of people take to drag absolutely in the spirit of safe house being this safe place like when i was around 21 when i was in my third year of uni i had a very very difficult time with like mental health issues so it took me through counseling therapy medication and like the love and support of like my incredible like family and friends and once I overcame that journey and started to live more healthily and see that the issues that I were facing were all illusions, I really actually saw a version of myself in the future. And I said, I'm going to walk every single day and make choices to reach that person. And now I literally am her and then some. So I am very, very looking forward to the future. So that person that you saw mm. in the future, 
how far away like are you there yet is it is it something that you've reached and you're like past or is it something that you're working towards or is it something that's next to you is it, is it like a parallel you push each other like what what is that image that you see mm. when you say that I never, I'm never one to do massive like five, ten year plans just because I'm very much of the opinion that you never know what is around the corner for you and you need to be able to roll with the punches at any second. But I do always like to project myself just far enough into the future where it's a tangible reality. Like a bit of a manifestation. Where I feel like I am in the future like holding my hand, walking forward, like making healthy choices um, and mm. trying to anticipate what my next sort of creative endeavour, my professional endeavours friendships families and um so i've yeah. always just felt like i'm not projecting myself too too far but yeah i'm just giving myself enough of a, a guidance to see what the next step will be yeah well going off that i feel like all my guests i don't know i don't know whether it's my planning or the guests that i'm having on but that you seem to be what's the word springboarding me onto my topics perfectly well so oh perfect <laughs> see it's just a natural synergy we have <laughs> yeah uh, so I can honestly say that, like, without you and your, I'm going to call it a divine intervention, <laughs> uh, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today, in or out of drag. And uh, I'm getting people on the show that who inspire me and continue to push themselves and, as a result, push me. One of the things that most sticks out for me about you and the reason I've invited you on the show today into the Safe House studio is because of how driven and ambitious you are. Thank you. Not just ambitious, but the ambitions that you have are either fulfilled or they're being fulfilled, whether it's like a show or you mentioned your career earlier, which we'll go on to in a, a bit later. It, it's always something that you're working on. How is it when you're trying to fulfill them? Is there always that thing in the back of your mind of, is there an, like an immense pressure when you put things out into the universe and you, and you say that you want something, whether you tell people or not, the ambitions that you have, are you always like, I need to do this, otherwise everything's gonna fall apart. Or you set yourself a few and you just throw yourself at them all. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all thank you that's really I, I do love to hear that especially from someone that I also really regard really high, so highly like to hear that um, they see me as ambitious and driven because that is literally my ambition and drive have been really what has pushed me so far in all contexts of my life like I, my older brother's incredibly academic and like even as young as like I'm um, starting high school I was like quite low sets and everything and like I realized very quickly I was like I have to work so so hard in order to achieve so i pushed myself super hard and i i managed to get an incredible education i'm very proud of that and i applied that same rhetoric to myself in terms of like my creativity uh, throughout all of like university for example and then taking rain into the real world and um, starting to try and make my mark onto the london drag mm -hmm. scene i had to sort of like somewhat delusionally be like you have to go and get this because you know it's what you want so i would set myself ambition and i've just been really fortunate to just meet some incredible people i'd say my two greatest accomplishments are outside of my university shows of course are queered and heartstrings which are two shows that we've we've created um, together yeah for, for all the listeners who might not you should be thank you to start with um but if you're not up to date with what we've been doing as a drag house as drag family we had our our first like cabaret show called queered which i'll, I'll actually let um i'll let rain explain what that is and what, what that was about yeah so queered was a what well, is rather a cabaret collective of all lgbt plus people who come together usually twice a year to create a fabulous cabaret show of mm -hmm. so many 
many different beautiful and eclectic styles of drag to entertain the masses and we had our first volume in November of 2019 and our second volume was booked for May 2020 but of course lockdown came straight in and tornadoed everyone's plans so we created the Quid Volume 2 movie which we put out in July which I'm super super proud of and you were a, you were a completely vital part of it as a fantastic creative director and she edited the house yeah. down boots and um i will say that i'm not i'm not gonna yeah no she really did <laughs> i'm not gonna be about the bush with that <laughs> so yeah uh, we have essentially just still had to delay volume two because of miss rona's persistence but come through vaccination and come through volume mm. two we don't know when it's going to happen but we know that it is going yeah. to um carry forth because that the incredible overwhelming yeah. electricity that was in the room that night on Quid Volume 1 was completely magical and I can't wait to feel that same mm. feeling again. And I did, I did mention on one of the other podcasts that the I'll touch on it a little bit that there was this energy and the feeling in the room was like this s- small city with such uh, it felt like an underlying energy from the people in the room that they've been waiting for this this queer experience and that these almost as though they've been waiting for like this long lost family to show themselves and i think it just took well you and, and me and all the rest of the performers it, it took us to to kind of say we're all going to meet here on this place at this time and um it, it felt like it, it did feel like an underground project where it was like we're all going to meet and we're all going to kind of like it felt like it felt like a bit of a conspiracy <laughs> like we were cons- inspiring together but yeah Yeah, i worked my ass off for volume one i like posting relentlessly oh the promo was there the promo was there mama like i I had to come through so hard with it i was in all honesty expecting so we um had volume one at brewdog in leicester which is where we both went to uni we both lived at the time and we were expecting maybe 50 people i remember we both were saying oh my god if we can get 100 that would be incredible and then we actually managed to max out the capacity of the venue and then some <laughs> but we don't tell leicester council that no no we, we ain't telling them that um we had i think we had close to about 300 people and there were people like considering calling the fire marshal and there were people saying like we oh need to stop call the marshal i was like call the marshal i will let her walk stage. she can she can get a free seat get her a wig get marshall a wig get her a wig get her some cha-cha heels and get her on stage please welcome to the stage fire marshal it was just incredible i loved it so much but it, i totally know what you mean that it did feel i had a number of amazing people like giving me like, incredible feedback of like this is what i've been waiting for and what i don't see in my people had like traveled in from like local towns i'm getting goosebumps again um like around the midlands um being like oh i've been waiting for this like this is where i feel like i'm at home and we had such incredible plans to take volume two to like the next level and those are still there it it, it felt like a huge sigh of relief yeah it felt yeah thank god somebody did it and i do feel like what i was going to go on to next is is it felt like we were on a roll and we were we were moving forward and i think it was the catalyst of this queer energy and this queer presence in leicester because i certainly hadn't seen anything or heard of anything that had gone on obviously i was only there for 
two years but the, for the whole time that I was there there was no one doing anything like what we were doing so it, it did feel like a new experience with regards to like the the dreams and the aspirations and the goals that we did have and the plans that we had for our house and for the the queer presence in Leicester we, we were on a roll and I've heard a lot of people say the same thing and use the same words is that we, we kind of had this snowball effect where I had a couple shows and then I came down to see you and we were making it known that we were a force to be reckoned with almost and then we came back and did Heartstrings which was our Valentine's show which was kind of like the sister show to Queered. How did it feel for you when we found out that the things that we had plans and the goals that we had that might not have been a reality back in March? How did that feel? It was... It was very devastating. Just as creatives, I know that so many, so many artists, and I'm incredibly proud of so many of them that I'm friends with, and I'm so inspired by who have like managed to carry forth a lot of um, in lockdown, yeah, home presence and um, being incredibly safe and responsible, as well as um, upkeeping that. But I, I saw lockdown as a time, and this whole time of COVID to really focus on self-care and also yeah. practicing and biding my time and waiting to unleash ready for when it's over unleash the rain and literally yeah it was it was very devastating to know that a lot of those creative endeavors like like we had just put finished putting out the last of the um promo for volume two and lockdown hit and i just knew that it was the end at the time i was focusing massively on my career and um, i had just started a new relationship so i was being pulled into a lot of different directions as daniel and rain at the time just slowly but surely i've sort of worked out what is and what isn't a worth my attention and be what is and what isn't going to make me happy ultimately. And now I'm really, really focusing on three things. And that is myself out of drag, myself in drag. Me, myself and I. Me, myself and I is all I've got in the end. Yes, Miss Nels. So it's me, Rain and my career are like the three things I'm really focusing on. And especially, of course, friends and family. As far as we are away from each other at the moment, I really yeah. have in the last... For the record, that's five things, but I'll let you off. I did say I wasn't very academic, girl. I got a C at GCSE and I was like, period. <laughs> but you, Rain, and, well, Daniel, Rain, and Korea mm. aren't separate entities. They they are, totally, they are yeah. all intertwined. Everything is, and that might sound very fortune cookie-ish and very around the campfire. What did you just call but, me? Oh my God. What a great drag name, Fortune Cookie. <laughs> I just can't tell you how excited I am to get back to or get to rather, not even back to, get to the future of after this. And I really honestly feel like it has humbled me so much in terms of really holding my friends and family even closer to yeah. my heart and my mind, especially to like really honour and see it as a spiritual practice almost, my creativity, because it is the thing that makes me actually feel the most alive in life. And that is ultimately what we're all trying to find, is what is that thing that makes you feel the most alive in life? And for me, it is... <laughs> I was to say, for me, it's cross-dressing. That really is. For me, it is... For me, it's crack. <laughs> oh my goodness, not that. Um, for me, the it crack. is... Um, not crack. The crack, that's the one. For <laughs> For me, it's um, for me, it's just creating, um, creating yeah. in all shades, and I'm so excited to to demonstrate that and give Rain the reins, as it were, and mm -hmm. drive it all the way forward. Yeah. <laughs> give Rain the reins. Period. <laughs>
<laughs> so you did touch a little bit you mentioned that you were focusing more on your career mm. and that was something that's really important to you and not everyone can keep going and not everyone does have the motivation and i know through that we're really close and we speak quite a bit that this particular career is something that you have been waiting to get into for a while especially at a time when working is so difficult why now um, so I'm going to keep some of my cards quite close to my chest um, in terms of my career, uh-huh. just because it, I do like to have a, a quite, I know what we were just saying is everything is intertwined and it is very much so in an introspective praxis. However, I do like to have a lot of outwards facing separation. I like to have like a, a big deviation between rain and between Daniel, just so then I can also keep uh-huh. things into sort of boxes, but I know that they are. Yeah. So ever since I was a little kid, I've had a, a, a fantasy about this and i know it's sort of difficult to sort of narrate you can talk about like how how it made you feel or what the job meant to you mm-hmm. and, and why it was so important without going too far into it that's cool and well i'm happy to say that i work in a blue light job and that is something that i never actually thought i would ever do however i've had a little a little bit of a dream to do it ever since i was a little infant running around my house sort of playing dress up i never thought that i would actually do it however so my original goal was to i went to university i did my masters i started my phd my, my dream ever since i was like 10 as well about 15 years old was to finish my phd and become a university lecturer in drama and theater and art and be able to have my own practice whilst teaching i'm very much one for i thrive on um a sort of i thrive at my best when i don't have anything to hold me back and a big part of that is the instability of like the financial aspect of being a full-time artist so i of being a creative yeah of being of like and i really wanted to be able to put a, a lot of funding and a lot of um a lot of time and effort and energy into my into my work however those two things aren't always corresponding so i really wanted also to have a career that i knew was going to be incredibly long-lasting and really satisfying but also that would give me the opportunity to be flexible and fund my my hobby my my life yeah. which is in, in performance yeah what's it what's important to say as well is that it doesn't come at a sacrifice of either one and providing yourself with financial backing in order to carry out your creative mm. side it isn't necessarily a negative thing and if it, if it means that you can continue being creative and continue your like well you've got your career dream on one side and you've got your creative dream the, the, on the other side and they do play into each other yeah. and give each other a helping hand and i think that's that, that's really nice to see because it is really difficult being a, a, a struggling artist and and not having the funding to carry out what you want to do and if both of them help each other that's not something that everybody has yeah so i think that's really special Thank you. It's, it, it is a bit of a seesaw to negotiate sometimes because... Time-wise or... Time-wise, but also in terms of um, performativity in that there's a very high expectation of, of both sides. In the, yeah, in, the, in drag, you're completely unbound by, by pressures to perform a certain way, act a certain way. It's completely free-for-all in terms of be loud, be wild, be creative, be be free. Uh, however, like be the most, be the, and even be the most, yeah, and stand up for what you believe in, etc. And scream it from the rooftops. And that is very much a part of my life, and I love it 
more than anything. But my career, as all careers do, they bear a certain weight of expectation and sort of, I wouldn't say a pressure, but I would say, uh, yeah, I would just say an expectation to represent your occupation with a sort of a class and a sort of performativity of a... It's like charades, like trying to explain the word without saying what the word is. Oh, it's very difficult to like phrase it, a, a sort of performativity of um, professionalism. I have asked you a very awkward question, so uh, don't worry. It's cool. I'm just, yeah, I'm just not really so, super like, down to like talk about massively, just because I'm still so very new at it. But I do love, I'm very, very content and I love my career so much. I would be so little, I think, without it at this point, because I love it so uh-huh. much. I think what I love most about it is the dichotomy of it and how like, there's such contrasting oxymoronic like situation that you're in and i i think it's it's a very like progressive way to be yeah and i think it's it's the way forward as well i think you're a pioneer person personally you're a pioneer girl (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much for saying that i really appreciate it it's very difficult as saying that seesaw is is quite a difficult one to keep at a level balance that scale and i'm not massively into star signs but i'm a libra so you know that my scale needs to be exactly at nil. I'm not into star signs, but if you know I'm a Libra, you'll know. <laughs> yeah, but if anyone that knows a Libra out there knows that how much balance means to a person like me. So yeah, it's been it's been difficult to sort of start to negotiate that line between the professional and the personal, but I don't see anyone else doing it as I'm doing it right now. That means a lot to me because I want to see more representation of what I do for a career in what I do for a career in performance and what I do for what I do and who I am outside of work in my career. And I'm not really able to as freely and eloquently sort of talk about it yet because yeah. not only have I am I still quite new at it, but I'm also not really... I'm one that I like to meditate and, and percolate on things a lot more before I can like eloquently discuss them out and sort of exercise them but i'm pretty sure that that will in time especially when lockdown is over i'll be able to um sort of see the realities of negotiating the real life presences Uh of my career and my performance practice that's absolutely fine yeah very happily so with my career it means that unless i declare it as a second career almost or a second business as rain that i will be unfunding Mm -hmm. i won't be making money off my shows i'm actually really really happy with that because i would love to be able to take any money that i would be getting from performance to donate it to charities to be able to just pay performers that are working on a show that i'm creating i'm i'm specifically just wanting to create content and create art and create performances specifically satisfy me and uh, on a creative and spiritual level i think taking out the the financial aspect of it in the sense of i need to create this Mm. to please a certain Mm. audience or certain demographic so that i get the money and you have to obviously entice people into the whole business side of it yeah taking out that aspect means that you can focus solely on you're doing it because you want to you can focus on the reason why you started it and the drive you have you don't have to focus on what's going to please an audience or what they're going to like best like that's that's irrelevant totally and i'm sure a lot of my sort of startings of my career and the sort of nervousness that one feels about like sort of will will fall to the wayside as i become more confident in both my career and my my creative and Mm -hmm. of course my dream ever since i was literally a toddler 
running around my flat singing Spice Girls cassette in my nappy well, is to is to entertain. I've always wanted to. I'm just gonna put it out there that Rain's career is actually to be a. It, it's uh, she's a Spice Girl. Yeah. So that's why she has to keep it a secret. I'm a Spicy Girl. I'm Paprika. The secret's out. I am turmeric. I am Paprika Spice. Paprika Spice. Yeah. I love. I, I can't remember what was it that Rain's, Spice Paul said to um Michelle. Michelle, if you were a Spice Girl, what would you be? And then she just old spice. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Period. So um oh, I love it. Moving on just a little bit, not too far away, but obviously everyone remembers and I did touch on it a little bit on my on the uh, my last show with Pay, that at the start of lockdown there was this immense pressure to come out of this potential lockdown. A fully realized version of yourself with all these new and perfected skills in focusing on your career a lot more. Your creative side hasn't completely gone, but it has taken a little bit, obviously, of a backseat because you need to focus on it so much. Do you have anything to say for the pressure that a lot of people felt creatively? Like, why was it something that you weren't so bothered about? Why did you not take that peer pressure? I do think it's um, quite unrealistic to have expected that everyone would come out of this experience um, having just solely focused on the creative outputs that they would make post-lockdown and post this life that we've had to endure. And though for some people that is actually exactly what they've done, they've really... Um, really done nothing but work on their craft and ready to unleash it, which is so mental, so brilliant. Which is incredible because these lockdowns have, have meant that I've been able to work on my craft and work on my drag and work on videos and this podcast. It's unrealistic to think that everything's going to be perfect when you come out. Yeah, well, no one is ever going to be perfect, especially there. there is no sort of, because all art is subjective, there is absolutely no way to be perfect. No. It is absolutely, you cannot be perfect. That is actually... Although if you follow me on Instagram on my drag account, <laughs> then you will see that perfection does exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god shameless really? plug and i'm gonna do it too if you want to follow me girls at rain performance artist <laughs> anyway um but yeah i think the pressure was i think that pressure is super <laughs> it's actually kind of toxic i think let someone run away with themselves creatively during this experience and see the fruits of their labor burst out into these magnificent fruitful pieces of performance and art and creativity however i wouldn't judge a single person if they had done nothing I, I chose to um, focus entirely near enough on my career throughout this experience and I, and it has really it has really benefited me because I really feel super super confident in my career and I love it so much yeah. I have been making a really conscious effort to really focus on self-care throughout this experience just because I hadn't for so long which is so important the idea that everyone's going to focus on their creative side and Mm. not work on their mental health that in itself is I mean it's priceless it doesn't matter if you can get a gig after this or not like if your mental health is shit like what's the point yeah seeing how far I had come since I was really unwell when I was 21 and only wanting to see that person in that future, that's that small distance of future, as I mentioned earlier, all the more whole, all the more rooted in that moment that they stand in, all the more happy. And I really feel like I've done that throughout this last year and a half. What is it nearly? Well, throughout this last year, rather. It's just made me super, super excited to be able to proudly strut into the future and um, do it in my uniform and my... Um... In your motherfucking style. <laughs> and in style, Heaney. Well, I, I do think that everyone has focused on different things and it's really, really important that 
whatever you have focused on during this time is something that you love and something that you're really passionate about mm. because it's such a hard time for everyone it really is uh, especially for for myself when lockdown hit i was in leicester at uni and it was a very quick turnaround in the sense that i had to come home and i didn't have much chance to sort my shit out and sort a job luckily enough i was in a situation where i could move like quite easily into one in the sense that there was a job made available for me when i came back not everyone's had that benefit and i think because it's a job that one i enjoy and two i'm able to educate myself in and i'm I'm managing to get some kind of training in the same way that you have i can kind of thank the lockdown for that in a sense i know it's we're like at the bottom of the barrel scraping for these silver linings but Mm. like that is something that i am i'm really grateful for at the moment is having a job and still being able to be motivated enough to push my career forward and and i'm doing it during a global pandemic so Period. yeah and i think you've done such an incredible job like you've always stayed so motivated so keen as have you as of you that was the point i was making but yeah no i know what you mean it's really really hard in this time to as you say like scrape the bottom of the barrel for a silver lining i think that's a great phrase to sort of ele- it's actually a really eloquent phrase in terms of exactly what a lot of people are having to feel like especially because there's been so much loss and so much worry and anxiety and sadness in the air it's almost so tangible and it's really difficult to have a conversation at this point without discussing just like just even where we're at with COVID. But I, if I were to Literally. say if there are any silver linings that I've experienced, it's most definitely been that I a completely different person in terms of how I think about the people oh. that are closest to me now. I realise even more intensely how much I completely I say completely so many times just I feel so passionately about it is um <laughs> I could feel it, I could feel it through the screen. How much I love my family and how much yeah. I love my friends and how much I miss my friends and my family so much. And yeah. even it sounds so it sounds like a Landers Array lyric almost, but how much I even miss strangers. And my my career forces me out into the world every day. I miss the smoking area. But oh my god, I miss going on a night out so much and bumping into someone and having that moment on a dance floor with them, a moment in a smoking area where you talk about the craziest things and the stupidest conversation. It just that that lightness that you better stop smiling and making me wish I was out. <laughs> Oh, uh, literally, like, I just, look, when I think about, I, I've really gotten to a point now with lockdown where I've really reached that internal part of myself where I'm super, super excited for the future. I'm super ready for it now. I'm super ready for it. I'm so hungry for yeah. it. I feel like and, we deserve it at this point. You know, at the beginning, yeah. we were kind of like, oh, I want to go out again. But really, I only went out like two, three, four months ago. And then now I'm like, okay, I've worked for it. Give it me. Now. And I've been i've tried to be like exceptionally responsible really focusing on like the rules and yeah. regulations and um and i really hope that we can all enjoy the fruits of that labor that we've all collectively shared hopefully soon enough with vaccination starting to become more of a reality and i'm getting mine tomorrow I'm very excited for that yours tomorrow yay and yeah so i'm just super super hopeful and super excited for the future and i can't wait to see what that brings this is what i mean this is what i was talking about earlier is even though we're all stuck inside and we're in the worst restrictions that we've been in Mm. you're still sat here with your goals and your aspirations and you're still extremely excited for what's going on like there's people that i've spoken to who are sat and they're just like this is what this podcast is about it's 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 kind of like a therapy session for myself because i get to talk to people and know that i'm not in it on my own but there's people sat unmotivated they don't know what to do they have no excitement for the future because they're like well 
we can't see an end to it, but you're sat here so positive, and it's iconic. Oh, I completely understand why, yeah. I've been the worst I've ever been during this lockdown, beat to the ground, but I'm still going. 100% no judgment in the slightest. I can see how this has beaten people down. It's really robbed them of their motivation and their sparkle. It's been so difficult. Mm. However, I really learned when I was at my worst, when I've been at my worst in life, is to, even if it is, even if you feel like it's not even there, not even if you feel like it's a grain of hope, even if you feel like it's not there, is to find literally anything even if it's thin air to hold on to of hope even if you feel like you have less hope than valentina not knowing the words (laughs) to greedy oh my god even if you're not an ariana grande stan and you have to lip sync to an ariana grande song (laughs) there's fucking hope she that moment i think we've all felt like that throughout this lockdown at one point at one point or another we have all we've all 100 felt like that at one point in this lockdown i'm just super hopeful super excited super motivated of course it would be really incredibly disrespectful to have that hope without acknowledging and without mourning for people who have lost and who have had to sacrifice so much for what has become of this last year in terms of losing loved ones losing people made redundant people have been just people losing things in general losing the battle people people losing people losing out on things is i've been incredibly incredibly fortunate and that this this hope and that positivity might be from the lips and from the mind and from the heart of someone who hasn't really experienced much uh, much depravity from this experience and i can only imagine what my answer would be to these questions if i had as i say i have accelerated my intensity for my love and for my friends and family and for my my career and for my passions and like so i can completely see why people especially the ones that have been so affected by this lockdown in terms of bereavement and in terms of loss of career and income how they aren't able to access that hope and i hope ironically i hope that that hope isn't just because i haven't experienced those sadnesses i'm trying to hold on to the sparkle that i was yeah. beginning to refine in my life when I was recovering when I was younger from a lot of sadness and a lot of instability and a lot of terror and anxiety and trying to continue to hold on to that power and that magic to see it see me through this time and see me into the future so that was really super long-winded but um yeah that's no 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 it's fine it's fine I'm hoping that the the hope <laughs> I'm hoping that the hope but I am. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the the hope that you have, the motivation and drive that you have, and all the other things that are, are the reasons why I'm inviting people on here do provide people with a bit of a beacon of hope and kind of a a kind of a, a tip of the hat that says we got this. We know that we're, we're all struggling. Yeah. Whether some people are struggling more than others, we are all struggling, and we all have struggled at one point or another in the past in the past year. It's ironic. It's this idea of hold on to each other and walk into the future proudly with some semblance yeah. of excitement and and being galvanized. But the irony is, do not hold on to each other's hands. Wear gloves. Wear a mask. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Although we're not together and we're not physically seeing each other and being together, this this is a connection and everyone's making connections every day and we need to hold on to them. It's, it's the idea that our relationships are intangible. Is that a word? Relationships. The ones that you... It's something that you can't touch, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are being tested. And we didn't know that we were setting ourselves up for this. Mm. 
but I've had relationships tested in this lockdown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's nice that hopefully we can all see the ones that last and, and we are pulling together. And um, that's what I'm doing here is pulling all my all my good bits together. Yeah, and I just like the reason why I'm I always jump for the joke. I always am the first person to pray to pray someone to build them up is because I I know how much that sadness can consume you, and I want to make people feel so good. And I don't think there's ever been a better time to want to try or to try to yeah. um, make the people around you feel good and feel motivated and feel excited. And it's what I want for everyone, let alone the people that I care about the most. Oh, absolutely. You and my other friends and my family. And yeah, so... I think going into 2021, I want to take this positive energy and really, really, really run with it because I'm certainly in a lot better of a place than I was last year, particularly the back end of the year. It just crappy end to a crappy year but we're, we're, we're through it and i think the milestone of new year is kind of a bit of a reset and mm, uh, you've got milestones huh you need to drink more water you've got milestones that's really Fuck painful you need to drink more water off if anyone wants any <laughs> advice on gallstones i do work in a pharmacy <laughs> but i absolutely cannot give you any advice when i'm not at work because that's illegal <laughs> Right, to finish up a little bit and round up, is there anything you want the listeners to remember about you or you want them to take away from this episode of the show? What would that be if you, if you have anything? Um, you can think. You can take a minute. That I love McDonald's and if anyone wants to <laughs> buy me one, send me one. No, kidding. Um, no the, chewing uh, tobacco. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm just going to restart. Um, have I got anything to say? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, nothing. Nothing. Bye. Um, no, I'm totally kidding. Anything. <laughs> anything. Anything. Hands and feet inside the qualm at all times, girl. Um, That's what you want to be known by. Is it the qualm or the quan? Mrs. Quan. Mrs. Quan with an N, as in. Uh, you've seen the film so much more than me, so I trust you with an N. <laughs> but yeah, so. Being that I'm featured here today mm. with Safe House and Safe House oh. Studio, I think the things that I yeah just want to impart is to just reiterate is how much I just want to make people feel good and how mm. make, how much I want to make people feel happy and feel them at their best selves. I love seeing people really shine in their self-awareness, self-assurance and self-confidence. And that comes in so many yeah. beautiful colours, shapes and forms. Yeah. And I just want to see that projected into the future. Uh, and to watch out for me because <laughs> I'm coming so hard into the future. <laughs> no, you better come for all of us. You better come on all of us. That's what I'm ready for. Uh, fine, I'm going to strut real yeah. hard into the future. Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm going to come through and um, oh. yeah, to watch out for me because I plan on making big waves even if it's just to tell you how much you are a star. Estrella. You know, period. I'm going to be finally, finally, finally relaunching Rain somewhat soon. Not too soon. Not too far mm. away. Uh, it's just now starting to come to that point where I'm... Um, Ready to start thinking about it again. No, not even. Like, it's, it's at the point where I've, I've created a lot of setup in order to start knocking it down. So okay. I'm... I'm really looking forward to it now to unleash. So watch out for what you've got for the yeah. So for the future, you can find me on at Rain Performance Artist on Instagram, and that's mm -hmm. the most social I operate out of is the gram. Yeah, and yeah. 
I'm just super excited to start to create content again. Me and Poppy always talk about our work and creative being like EPs and albums. I feel like... You're ready for your next era. Yeah, I feel like I'm ready for my next era now and I'm ready to see that era. And I feel like it's going to be a really bold and beautiful one filled with a lot of opportunity that I'm going to be A, making for myself and B, that... Uh, I'm going to be collaborating with a lot too. I think we could all take that mentality of we're ready for the next era to start afresh, to mm. to push yourself into a direction that we're all ready for. I think we're all waiting and um, I'm certainly waiting to see what you put out there. Thank you um, and same for you, girl. It's going to be so good. Well, it's been absolutely stunning to have you on the show today. Stunning. Um, I really, really please, 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 please come back because we've got so much more tea to to get into and yeah this has scratched the surface we've got so many stories we can tell and so many like exactly this uh i'm I'm saying this season like there's going to be more because i am hoping to carry on this but this season was definitely mainly about lockdown and about the panny d the panna cotta um and i'm hoping to delve into into more detail about different creatives in the future from a different context so stick around yeah i'd love to be back and thank you so so much for having me pops it's been it's i've actually really really loved this experience it's been so nice to have a big catch up with you and i think this is such an incredible incredible creative endeavor that you're working on so i'm really proud to jump on it i can't wait to see you in the future and give you a massive squeeze and hit and tear up a dance floor with you i know well hopefully next time we did you say tear up an arsehole i said tear up a dance floor you need to (laughs) assess what (laughs) this is going on you can tell what this is locked up doing to me oh never mind never mind goodness. okay thank you so much for coming oh, thank, you, <laughs> oh, thank you so much right rain out bye-bye bye <laughs>